This is the Skirted Roundtable. I'm Linda Merrill from Surroundings. And this is Megan Arcat from Beach Bungalow 8. And Joni Webb with Coat to Texas. And this week on the Skirted Roundtable, we are welcoming a man of many talents, furniture and fabric designer, spokesman, um, interior designer, marketing guru, Joe Ruggiero. Joe, thank you so much for joining us at the Skirted Roundtable. I'm delighted to be here. I really think that you guys are on to something. I love listening to the interviews that you've done already, so I'm just happy to be here. Well, thank you so much. Looking at your bio, and it's, it's kind of, uh, well, I think you do too much. That's <laughs> you know, like funny, because I was at a party in High Point, and I saw Ann Main, who's uh, editor-in-chief of Traditional Home, and she said, Joe, i got to tell you, I think you've done everything possible in this industry that one could imagine. I think Honestly. you have. And, and it didn't, it just sort of, uh, you know, Tennyson has this expression, follow your gleam. And I think I was just following my gleam. I mean, certainly I can pinpoint so many angels along the way that have helped me. You know, back to the days of, well, you guys are too young to remember John Mac Carter, who was editor-in-chief of Good Housekeeping. And, of course, Mario Boada and Jack Leonard Larson and Givenchy. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. How, and tell us how you got started. Because we well, need to know how all of that got woven. I mean, where did you start, and, and how did all that come into play? And tell us. Well, I was born in Brooklyn, New York. I uh, grew up as a kid who loved to rearrange pillows in my family's living room, always, from you know a very young age. My mother, I think, was a frustrated interior designer, and I know for certain that that's where it came from. Although my dad was always very supportive of everything I ever did, so although discouraged me from going into the creative arts. So after going to Villanova University, Annenberg School of Communications at uh, UFP, um, I got a job at CBS Sports, met my wife, who was then working for Bill Paley, and I thought I had married the boss's daughter, but I hadn't. Um, and then from there, I went to the General Tire and Rubber Company as creative director, but it gave me the opportunity of national marketing. So I, I had a sense, uh, confidence of marketing a product nationally and traveling a lot in the United States. And then a friend of mine uh, said a headhunter was looking for a position uh, in Connecticut for Ethan Allen. And um, I worked for Ethan Allen, and to me that was like, you know, the epitome of marketing, vertical marketing from the trees to the consumer. And that's where I really learned a lot about design and yeah, marketing. Uh uh, Ethan Allen was the biggest. I mean, they really kind of started it all. They really did. And, you know, many of the things that obviously Ralph Lauren does today um, really began with a gentleman by the name of Nat Ansel, who really was instrumental in marketing total rooms, lifestyles, uh, and in that period of time when people were showing furniture in rows. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that was really sort of genius, and I really learned a lot from him, and then got recruited away to Martex, and I was there for five years as creative slash advertising marketing, and had the opportunity of working with Perry Ellis and um, Mary McFadden and Givenchy, and even at that time I got to meet Bill Blass, and it just, it really gave me the bug. Uh, not to sound like chorus line, but I thought to myself, I can do that. Uh, <laughs> and I guess I could, but I wanted to. And then got recruited away from the Martex job 
uh, to be editor-in-chief in California for Home Magazine. And it was when I was at Home Magazine that I worked on the ABC Home Show with Kitty Bartholomew uh, and did several renovations of homes. And then a pal of mine who I had done a brief appearance on the Mike Douglas Show designing rooms for Gladys Knight and Carter Cash and, you know, those, those kinds of uh, celebrities. And he gave me the typical Hollywood line, you know, we must work together again. And I thought, oh, yeah, I've heard that. But he called me and said that uh, he was looking for a new project and that Scripps was starting a 24-hour uh, design network called HGTV. Would I be interested in pitching a show? And we went out. Which, what, what year was that? That was in 1994. And we flew to Cincinnati. We pitched the show for a million dollars. They bought it, and we were the first show to go on the air when they launched, uh, December of 1994. It was a show called Rooms for Improvement, and my co-host was uh, Leslie Uggins. And how long did Rooms for Improvement last? That was a long time, wasn't it? Uh, Rooms for Improvement was only two years, oh, and it? then we segued into Homes Across America. Oh, okay. It seems like Rooms for maybe they because they repeat things for a long time, it just seems like well, it was on for a, you know, a good, nice long time. That's true. Yeah. Like, well, you're too yeah. young to remember that. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> but rooms, uh, rooms across, was it called Rooms Across America, right? Yeah. No, homes, homes Across America. Homes Across. That was such a successful show. Well, you know why? Because, uh, Joni, we uh, set our bars high. I didn't, I approved every single location we went to. And, you know, we did things like Bunny Williams' house. Uh, you know, we did uh, William Hodgins. Uh, you know, we really kept the level, uh, the design level high for that show. It wasn't a handy hands at home. So we got people into homes they would never, ever have gotten into. And mm -hmm. it wasn't Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Right, I was going to say, those are, real, those are real homes, a, too. There was a design integrity yeah. to it. And we were were you, did, you had no broadcasting background? Well, I had worked for CBS. Oh, um, but I mean as, as talent, on, on, on camera no. talent. Well, when I did this old house, I did. And then oh, right. the, the ABC Home Show, which was network. Um, and then uh, when I had my show on Lifetime, and I had done spots on, you know, Regis and Kathy Lee. And Oprah was a big... Uh, help to me because oh, in 1981 and you can see this on my Facebook I've got that video up there when she was doing a show in Baltimore called People Are Talking I was promoting a book I did called Found Objects and I knew that that gal was going somewhere because like the three of you she yeah. actually was listening to what I had to say <laughs> and I think that, you know, then I did her show twice after that, after she had really become who she was. But she was very supportive. And so you uh, have a book. You've done a book as well. Yes. To add to book. the list. <laughs> <laughs> Author. So, uh, yes, it was for Clarkson Potter. And it was in the late 70s. And it was called Found Objects. And basically it was, um, you know, objet trouvé. What can you do with objects that you find? And how can they become decorative? I think um, I, I had an aunt who I think sent me that book. Ah, yeah. see? I had an aunt who was a painter, a fine art painter, and 
and um, did some decorating and and she was always trying to encourage my artistic side and I, I think she sent me that book way once upon a time yeah. well if she did I wish I I would love to sign it <laughs> oh. I think you can get it on eBay now for five bucks <laughs> Um, now or you, 500, right. one of the two. Right. Now, um, and when did you work on this old house? Uh, that was uh, when I was at Ethan Allen, so it had to be in the mid to late 70s. I worked with Bob Vila, and then I worked with Steve, and then um, Russ Morash, who was the executive producer, and, of course, his wife, Marion, uh, who did the cooking show. Yeah. Uh, but Russ was a fabulous, I mean, you know, it's just been so many wonderful people who have helped me along the way. And it's sort of like square dancing. And I don't know if this is the correct term, but is it like Alamon left where you change hands and you go around in a circle or something? Mm -hmm. That's the way my life, I think, has been as I look back. Well, it seems like you've, you've definitely been in all the right places and, and brought it to the table. Yeah, I think it has to do with the creating of opportunities right. as well. I mean, I think that, you know, you're a great example of someone who sounds like you're so positive. That's one thing that's coming out of this that I hear. And um, grateful. And, you, you know, as you said, I can do that. You just kept going <laughs> for the opportunities. I love that. That's right. a, it's inspiring. Megan, you're so insightful because my dad was a big believer of the power of positive thinking. And mm -hmm. I think it was because of his uh, dynamic salesmanship. He always sort of stilled in us that, you know, no matter what you're doing, even if you're trying to sell an idea, which is probably mo the most difficult thing to sell, you need sales ability. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, if Mario's called the Prince of Chintz, maybe I'll be called the prince of networking. <laughs> well, you know, what you always say is if you can sell something, you can sell anything, right. you know. Right. So, but you have to you believe you're good it. at sales or you're not. Right. Um, you know, I was able to sell my designs uh, because of the visibility I had with HGTV. And, uh, you know, we were upwards of 80 million at that time. So it was big um, exposure. So when I began trying to pitch my ideas, uh, there was name recognition. So that's what gave me uh, the, you know, launch pad, if you will, because I had ideas for design when I had published my book back in the late 70s, but I couldn't get anyone to listen to me. I, how long has, have you had your furniture line? Well, we celebrated our 10th anniversary of the brand, the Joe Ruggiero Collection, and mm -hmm. that was in... Um, 2010. We launched spring of 2000. And what was the first product line? Uh, the first was upholstery. And, you know, it's, I guess I'm up there with people like Bob Timberlake and Ralph and Barbara Berry in terms of longevity. I mean, God bless Martha. She only lasted eight years with Bernhardt. But uh, it's tough to keep a brand name afloat because your licensees go in and out. You know, some go out of business or some uh, just change uh, their theories in terms of uh, licensing a brand. But we've been able to recover from those that went out and add new ones. And now I feel like we've got the best of all worlds. I call them my young geniuses because these guys uh, and gals who own these manufacturing facilities are in their early 40s. And it's just so invigorating working with them. So tell us 
what is in you you have a full spectrum line what exactly is in your line okay so the upholstery is now miles talbot uh, mm -hmm. which is made in america in high point north carolina gat creek which is uh, the case goods or wood pieces manufactured in west virginia all made in america and then sombrella my textiles once again made in uh, south carolina in anderson south carolina and that is basically sombrella which i use for inside as well as outside then craft made which is um, and i'll tell you a little story about that in a second but craft made uh, texas company manufactures my lighting uh, casa fiora which is headquartered in charlotte north carolina does my bedding and drapery and then my wall art is St. Louis, Missouri, and that's a company by the name of W. King Ambler. And then Woodard does my outdoor furniture. We do all-weather wicker and cast aluminum. I, now, outdoor wicker is beautiful. Your website has some beautiful furniture on it. And uh, we were talking earlier that what are you? what price point are you marketing your items for because they're very elegant and the lines are just so gorgeous on them and well we consider it a transitional collection mm -hmm. and uh, also affordable style so you can get a sofa starting at about uh, 1500 uh, 1700 it's really uh, reasonable yeah it's very, very reasonable and depending on the fabric rate obviously uh, right now you said you use umbrella, but that's not covering like the first chair, that beautiful chair. I mean, those. Well, I mean, this is where we have such a project ahead of us. And if you know of a wonderful benefactor that wants to help me market my product, I'd love to know about. <laughs> but I have been, when I was hired by Sombrella, maybe close to ten years ago, I was hired to bring Sombrella inside for interior use. Because my wife had been using Sombrella and, believe it or not, Bill Blass had been using Sombrella for slipcovers before they even had upholstery-grade fabric. She would throw wow. it in the wash with a bucket of bleach, and it would come out even better than when she put it in, and uh, it would soften. So now we're doing things like velvets, chenilles, boucles, damasks, matelassés. Uh, huh. And it's uh, the only way to go because once you do drapery or upholstery or drape table skirts or top of bed with umbrella, you'll okay. never go back because it doesn't fade. It performs beautifully. And the hand is not what you're thinking of, which, you know, you're probably thinking of canvas or right. circus mm -hmm. stripe. It's come a long way. Now, that beautiful, there's a fabric that you use repeatedly it's a blue kind of an eye cat styling or right mm -hmm. that's a sombrella that is sombrella everything oh, that, i love that, that fabric Did, were you saying all your fabrics are that are on this website those are all sombrella that is correct wow, wow. wait i just can't believe that that first chair is sombrella. yeah it's like a satin that's the wonderful quality of the product there are products that you would swear were satin, some that you would think, and, and this is a funny story for those of you who know the Robellis in Venice, probably one of the finest silk houses 
uh, we did a segment for HGTV in Venice at their showroom. And the boys were showing at the hospitality and design show. They beat a path to my booth because they had heard that I, were, I was doing silk-like damasks and they wanted to see them in Sombrella. And they couldn't believe it. So it's, um, it's really been a, an education because I think that you gals are pretty savvy uh, to show people uh, that Sombrella now is very much at home inside. So, so where would one find your fabrics? Um, would, is there a place that it's, it's all housed? Do you have a showroom? Do you have a um, retail store? Well, where would uh, one go? In your case, Megan, you just need to go to the L.A. Mart, and all 120 are there on display. You can see them. But anyone else should go to customer support at Miles Talbot, M-I-L-E-S-T-A-L-B-O-T-T dot com. And they can ask for the um, spot nearest them to see the complete Joe Ruggiero line. I love that club chair with a, a tufted back and ottoman. With a, It's got a, like a ruffled skirt on it. Thank you. That's our uh, Wilshire. And, um, you know, that's a very sort of uh, Siri Mon inspired. Yeah, I chair. love that chair. And I love the ruffled skirt. You know, God bless Mario. He uses it <laughs> a lot. But for some reason, it hasn't sold as well as I think it should for us. But Oh, really? I guess people God, don't was... think of me as yeah. They think of yeah. me as uh, sleek and architectural. I love that chair. And what are your plans to have uh, some kind of store of your own? Well, we are opening up our first gallery, which is about 1,100 square feet, and that will be in Thousand Oaks, California. Uh, we have had someone approach us about a Joe store. Uh, that's what we would like to call it, Joe. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I and, do, too. You need to do that. Well, you know, maybe we should talk, Megan. Maybe we could do a pop-up okay. store here in L.A. I think that. that's a great <laughs> idea. Let's chat. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, because Montana, is, uh, there's a lot of empty storefronts. There. I was going to say, yeah, exactly. There's so many spaces that I, I think you have a great idea there. But I really see it as a small uh, sort of uh, atelier where people get nothing but service, service, service. The prices are right and they can actually sit and experience uh, the collection. And it's not cookie cutter. I mean, your price point, the $1,500 sofa, you're getting a much higher design than you would at it from a lot of these catalog stores, you know, um, that you see in malls everywhere. And you're not getting something that everyone is going to have. So it's it's a great opportunity for someone who is, has that budget to get something just a little bit nicer and a little bit more thoughtfully designed. Well, I appreciate that. And it's all custom, which, you know, means a lot. Bonus. Uh, they do beautiful work, Miles Talbot. And Made course, in America. And Made in America. Right. Oh, that's a beautiful ad, the red and white. Thank you. <laughs> that was the entrance to my showroom two markets ago. And oh. it made a big impact. But to tell you the truth, uh, there aren't a lot of red, uh, total red room people. <laughs> it was great and very impactful, but I don't know how much we sold of it. I guess it, that's why I like it so much. <laughs> well, I love those urns. They um, travel all over the showroom because 
You make a great statement. And I love that light fixture over at that square, I mean that's, rectangular. That's part of our lighting collection through Craftsman. Where are you looking, Joni? I'm sorry. I just, um, there was an ad on his website. Oh, um, I see. The red and white. I just can't get over that. That is Sombrella. I just can't. All of I... those shades on the lighting is Sombrella, too. Wow. There are several textile designers who are applying their designs on Sombrella fabrics, I think, or a type. I mean, yes. I know that exists, but I had no idea that you could get these textures. Now, Joe, you were mentioning about Sombrella that you're going to be launching um, your line to be a fast turnaround. Right. Uh, we have, um, they are affectionately referring to it as Joe in a Box, uh, but it's 120 <laughs> of my fabrics uh, that will be marketed for immediate delivery if you want one yard or 200 yards. And uh, you can get access to the book, uh, to the box, by contacting uh, customer support at Miles Talbot, M I L E S T A L B O T T dot com. And it would be great for you guys because then you would have access to it. It's great for presenting. Each of the swatches is beautifully carded, and there's a photo of the full repeat, whatever. Good gosh, I feel like I'm on a commercial. You thank you. For <laughs> Don't you want to? Don't you want to hear my? How much? Secret? How much do you sell that? Do you sell that for? Do you? It's a hundred bucks, and then you yeah. get refunded uh, with your first uh, purchase of seven hundred and fifty. What is it? What is your fabric? Rough. I know it depends on what grade it is, but per, what's the range per yard price? Uh, you know, I always get scolded when I quote prices because I am traditionally okay. lower than anyone, but I'm probably um, okay to say. In the neighborhood of high 30s to 80. Wow. So very moderate. Very. Umbrella, yes. Priced. Megan and I were in market last week, and I think one of the things we, we realized was that the real forward-thinking um, um, companies really are understanding that for the design industry, a faster turnaround is incredibly, you know, is incredibly important, and the because our clients don't want to wait, and so we're having to re be very responsive to that. And so I think it's great that, you know, the umbrella, you're, you know, right on that, right on that trend. Well, my my upholstery and my case goods are six to eight weeks, and my oh, lighting wow. is in stock in Tyler, Texas. Well, Joe, you you have. All these things, you have lighting, you have textiles, you have furniture. What about wall covering? I'm a big wall covering fan, so. You know, I am too, and I've had a heck of a time trying to convince a wall covering company to go for it. And, you know, it just has been sort of low on the radar. But uh, I've found that when you have too many licensees, that it gets a mm -hmm. little much to manage. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, I'm not going to say that isn't going to happen, but, you know. Yeah, I would think you were pretty well covered, actually. I'm amazed when I watch these designers just adding one more, you know, licensing. It's just incredible to me, like Barclay Butera. Uh, did you notice that, Linda? It just seems like, what else he, can you do? He you was everywhere. Pile yeah. it on and pile it on. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, Joe, you mentioned and especially now they go in. Excuse me, especially now they're going into catalogs like Suzanne Kassler with yeah. uh, Ballard, with Ballard and, and some of the other designers uh, collaborating with 
you know, Benjamin Moore with, uh, well, Ballard Design. Um, you just, you're seeing a much more of a, a partnership, it seems like. It seems more so than ever before. Well, and I think Bill Blass made a mistake when he went into chocolates. And I really, you know, try to avoid the, you know, <laughs> Did you the say temptation. But yes, yes. <laughs> but I think that you know, the based on the fact that I design all of my products, so I'm not just signing my name to things. Mm. Uh, I'm, so I'm not actively looking for you know countertops or um, you know cars to design. But um, uh -huh. that's what I think has. You know, every six months, I've got to come up with a new scheme and a new set of products, and that's that's a lot. But I love it. I'm not saying yeah. that I don't love it. Now, you mentioned um, briefly um, about these designer roundtables, and um, we talked about it earlier um, a little bit offline because we had asked you, um, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, your views on the state of the design industry, and then you mentioned you, were whole, you host these tables. So let's sort of talk a little bit about your views on the current state of the design industry. Well, I really believe that the independent designer is uh, going to be the hero going down uh, the future. I only believe that because I see what's happening to the retailers and they're having a tough time with their overhead. But I think in some cases they may have overextended themselves. But these designers who are working out of their home studios, or maybe it's a small atelier that's a thousand square feet, but in a very lovely part of the city. I really believe that given what we're seeing they buy from us, you know, you have four of them in a market that can produce uh, the same amount of business as one retailer. Hmm. And I think the American public is looking to be serviced you know, they want someone who's really going to take care of them. And I think there's a certain amount of cachet when you come into a small environment and you feel like you're being fussed over. And that's strictly my take on it. But I see it as a trend that's sort of building. So I applaud all the designers that you have as your followers and listeners because they're eager to get information, obviously, uh, with your success, but I also feel that they are the pioneers of where the industry is going. So you think that, um, you know, it's interesting because I, I think that the, um, you know, the his, his sort of historical perspective of, of the designer, you know, the way that we make our money was to charge for our, our, our time plus a markup on goods, but with clients being able to buy things online and quite frankly, our suppliers selling things, you know, they sell it to us for one price, but then they sell it to, you know, say it's a fabric, I could get a, a Kravit fabric at one price, but then I go into Calico Corner and the same fabric is less at retail right. at Calico Corner because of course right. they've got the bigger buying power um, and even less other places. And, um, you know, it sort of feels like you're being undercut as the independent designer. So it's interesting that you sort of have this opposite view, which is... Well, I basically feel that um and I think that Miles Talbot, through their parent company, Michael Thomas, was always friendly to the designer. They always saw the designer as an opportunity. They allowed them to come into the showroom. They allowed them to buy directly from the manufacturer. Now, I'm not going to say that the price is going to be the same for an independent designer 
than it might be for a chain of 25 stores. Right. But, um, I think the designer uh, appreciates and knows that. But just to be able to deal directly with the manufacturer, I think that's terrific. And I think, Linda, you should look into Miles Talbot because I think it would be a great resource for you. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely will. You know, it's, it, I think it is a tough time. It's a tough time for designers and, and stores um, in the industry. And, and I think we're all needing to reinvent ourselves, which you seem to be someone who's <laughs> very good at reinventing yourself and seizing, seizing the opportunity. <laughs> the man of many faces. The man of many faces. Seizing the opportunities as they present themselves, which, you know, has created this sort of very extremely broad and deep career. I say that uh, I've always loved this industry. So any opportunity to work in any phase of it, you know, I've always, you know, greeted it with an embrace. But I also, once again, believe in that following your gleam, following your dream, that, you know, trust your gut. I've moved across the country a couple of times, and luckily I've got a wonderful wife and family that supported that and didn't, you know, flinch an eye. It didn't really bother me. Some people, you know, anguish. Uh, You know, some of my friends who are single, they don't have any family responsibilities. They anguished about a move or a change of jobs. Today, it's, um, you know, it's not a terrible thing. What I found interesting is that you got that that job as the editor-in-chief of the magazine without, you had no experience though, right? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because... I uh, really got very much involved in the magazine industry, the shelter magazine industry, when I was in New York working for Martex because, you know, we were doing so many press events and what have you. And I even worked on projects uh, with House Beautiful where I would take the editors to uh, see Givenchy's house because he was doing, you know, a line for us at Martex. Um, I took a group to London. Uh, so I really uh, became uh, uh, sort of involved in the magazine uh, industry, but from afar. I guess I've always been a frustrated editor. Uh, and <laughs> as a matter of fact, my sister worked for Diana Vreeland. So maybe it was, uh, you know, through her wow. osmosis. But um, yes, but there are leaps of faith. I think that, you know, people thought that they needed the talents that I had for the magazine at that time. And, you know, it was a combination of creative and business and marketing. So um, it wasn't unheard of. Oh, yeah, you're obviously very good at it. I wanted to sort of talk maybe a little bit about the state of magazines today. And also, um, are you familiar with the digital magazines? And what do you think of the sort of new wave of young entrepreneurs jumping in and making their own magazines. Well, I think it's wonderful. I think Lonnie's great, and um, but I now I'm going to show my age. I like to hold on to a magazine, and I like to hold Me on too. to books, but I know they're, they're disappearing. <laughs> but um, I'm from that old school. If you were in my studio right now, you'd see I've got books stacked. I love books, and I love to refer to them. But I do believe that it's a way of getting information and visuals in front of people. I personally love blogging and Facebook because I think that it's a very visual part of the social network. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you're on Facebook, are you, how do you approach your Facebook? Do you feel like it's like you're branding 
your brand or are you um, having conversation with the neighborhood? How do you how do you approach it? Well, I think with Twitter, that's more conversational. But and I'm not mm -hmm. a big Twitter person, but I do post every day, sometimes more than once. But for some reason, I have combined food, flowers, gardening, design, and movies, and fashion into my Facebook and blog, and it seems to have hit the right note. I've got a good following, and they seem to like that mix. So I think mix is important, mm -hmm. and then of course I'm not telling you anything, but it's so important to reach out to your friends as well. I, I just notice a lot of designers will amass many friends, but then they use it more, and there's nothing wrong with this, they, they use it more as a place to sort of become a commercial for themselves. And I think it's interesting because um, then there are other designers who actually reach out and have conversation with people. and. I don't know that one's better than the other, more effective for whatever their goal is, but um, I tend to not pay as much attention to the ones that are just sort of giving me non-personal information. I think it's more interesting when you get bits and, you know, peeps into that person's real world. Well, I think that what I've tried to do is keep my friends to those that are in the design fashion business, architects, designers, specifiers. But also, I like to think that I'm you know, writing letters to home in that, what am I doing? Where am I going? What did I experience when I got there? Um, so, you know, if there's a great restaurant when I arrive in Houston, I'm going to report on it. Mm -hmm. um, I see a wonderful garden at Mrs. Jones's house, who's insisted that I go visit it when I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, I'm going to report on it. And it's a really odd mix of things, but for some reason, maybe that's me. Maybe it's indicative of who I am and what I like to do. I never post anything about my family or my grandchildren because I feel that that's um, in invasive and my children don't like that either. Mm -hmm. So if there's a family event, I might shoot the table decoration, but I'm not going to post any of the family. What are your plan? Where are you going with everything? What What is your ultimate plan? Are you just going to keep letting it unfold as it has? And well, if you consider, I've been doing that for the past um, I won't say how many years, and it seemed to be serving me pretty well. I'm the kind of person who will never retire, only because I have a lot of ideas. But I just like to see it unfold. I think we've got a pretty good platform right now. Uh, I've been fascinated in just my wall art because, you know, uh, to be able to see an image or to sketch something and then to have it beautifully framed and marketed has been a dream come true. I'm, I don't want to sound self-serving, but the International Furniture and Design Association is going to be giving me the Trailblazer Award in September. Cool. And I'm trying to think of what I should say about where I'm going. And I thought, well, you know, they're probably going to need decorating on the moon. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, you know, is, is that going to be at the say. symposium in Philadelphia? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Will you be there? Um, I'm not sure yet, but maybe. Linda, Because I, I am a member. Yeah, I was on the board of, for, of my New England chapter for a few years. And then I pooped out <laughs> this year. <laughs> 
Well, I, I've always liked the organization. I mean, I go way back to when it was the Home Fashions League. Yeah. And I was just an associate or a colleague, I guess. But uh, that was back when in my New York days. But I like it because it's not just for designers. It's for marketers and manufacturers, anyone that has anything to do with the home furnishings industry. Right, right. It's a nice, broad collection of people. Exactly. So, designing on the moon... <laughs> or Mars, depending on uh, where we get to first. Going back to using uh, the social networking, to me, I think Twitter is is the most incredible way to get out information quickly. It's like free advertising. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. You know? I think so many people abuse it because, you know, I was getting sick and tired about hearing, got up, had a hangover, Decided. Yeah. You know, I mean, who cares? I yeah. I just that kind of dribble to me is a waste of time. I just well, follow. you just have to watch who you follow. Well, but let as many people follow you, and that that you spread your news to those people, and then they retweet it. It's an it's an amazing tool used correctly. Right. Well, on there uh, a few years ago, a couple of years ago. Uh, Martha Stewart was on um, Jay Leno, and he had asked her, you know, so you're on Twitter, you tweet, don't you think it's ridiculous? Kind of like that, you know, what do I care what people ate for dinner and how many hangovers they wake up with? And she was like, but where else can I put out one tweet because I'm doing a book signing at some upstate New York store and for free to 500,000 people? And, you know, because she's Martha Stewart and has 500,000 followers or whatever. Right. And, um, you know, it's free advertising and, you know, have a line around the block. And it's, like, true. Yeah, yeah she's she always was, said that. Martha was tweeting today, you know, and I kept, like, clicking to see what is she tweeting about now, you know. And it, it just spreads. It's, it goes viral. Right. I mean, it's, it's unreal. It's a really great tool to use correctly if you're in the business, you know. Well, I think the social network has been terrific. And yeah. uh, I think, you know, blogging, I think what you guys are doing is amazing. Uh, the next step has got to be video. Uh, you know, you've got to get your skirted roundtable up on the <laughs> I, I agree. You're right there. I mean, it's a natural. I can't tell you how delightful it's been, even though we had to start twice. <laughs> Thanks for being patient. <laughs> yeah. What a but nightmare. The of you guys. Well, uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really very interesting. Um, I just I know that you have a big uh, listenership of um, designers, and I guess my advice is what I said before, you know, Follow the opportunities that they present themselves and listen to the universe and, you know, go where your gut tells you to go because right now everybody's rewriting the book and I think that it's very exciting. It is. It's been so nice talking to you. You're, you're super inspiring. All right, you guys. All right. This has been the Skirted Roundtable with Megan Arquette from Beach Bungalow 8, Joni Webb from Code to Texas, and I'm Linda Merrill from Surroundings. And this week we welcomed... Joe Ruggiero to the Skirted Roundtable. Thank you so much for joining us. You can visit us online at www.skirtedroundtable.blogspot.com or download our podcast from iTunes. Search for the Skirted Roundtable. Thanks so much, and we'll be back soon.